Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? I came to the mentorship game a little late. I think I tried to learn everything on my own through YouTube and podcasts. That that works, but boy, it's a good way to skip to the head of the line is uh, is just to get a mentor. Don't make any rash decisions in buying a ton of inventory. If, if you don't have a proven model that you can sell it, go for the smaller, but have enough to ramp up. I have enough cash flow and reserves to ramp up if it does go well. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, those are the big ones. Pinterest, if TikTok makes sense, get it. LinkedIn, if you're B2B, that would make sense. So yeah, whatever kind of makes sense, go out and grab them. Just reserve them. You don't need to, you don't have to set anything up at that point. Just reserve the names and you're, and you're ready to go when, uh, and then file with the USPTO. Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Schomer and Ken Wilson. Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast. On today's episode, we take a deep dive into what is needed to start an e-commerce business. Now, Ken, how many people have we talked to at various meetups or networking events that have said, I want to start my own business, but I just don't know what I need to do? Yeah, a lot. You know, and I think it's a formation overload when, you know, you you just have all of this stuff flowing in like what are they they use it um a fire hydrant right coming coming on and so this episode we've put together it's uh, broken down into two parts and and we've kind of you know did a deep dive and and put a big list of needs and wants and then you know David and I put some of our needs and 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 our wants on here and, and to hopefully give a roadmap at least a, a rough breakdown of what you need and and maybe what you want and and what you might want to wait to get. So, yeah, David. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think w- the goal for this episode is to break down barriers and, and to push people in the direction of, of starting their own e-commerce business. And the reason that we're making the distinction between wants and needs is, as you'll hear later in the episode, the list of needs is very short. And, you know, I'll contrast an e-commerce business with, say, a coffee shop. If you want to start a coffee shop, you need to have an espresso machine. You need to have rent on a building. You need to have employees, a cash register. To start an e-commerce business, you need much less than that. And so I would say the barriers to entry are much lower. And so so anyway, let, let's let's just jump right into it. Number one on the needs list, you need a business name. And we've talked about this on previous episodes, but you're going to want to you know come up with a list of names and then you know, go to uspto.gov and see if there's any trademarks on them. You're going to need to get, you know, a URL. So make sure that your business name, the URL is available. And then go out onto social media and make sure all the the handles 
for your particular brand name are available. And Ken, you know, when we were, I was writing this up, I was thinking about when we were doing the Firing the Man podcast. I mean, how many names did we come up with? <laughs> it was a lot. It was a, a spreadsheet full of names. And yeah. So it is a, it is a, sometimes a daunting task. And, but what you mentioned, David, the USPTO making sure that it's available. And there's actually, so there, I actually used a service on Fiverr once. So to get business names and they do all this verification, you know, they check USPTO, they check domain names and social medias. And so if you're stuck on that and not moving forward, Outsource it because the, uh, believe, <laughs> believe me, this is a step that a lot of people get stuck on. Yeah, I think if I recall when we were doing the podcast name, we set aside one week for brainstorming. And then the next week we set a deadline and said, we're going to have a decision made. And I think that was the move because you can get kind of analysis paralysis in this stage of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to round it out, you know, like David mentioned, USPTO domain, uh, you want to register whatever name you decide. Before you just before you decide it and register it, make sure the domain is is available and reserve it. I would recommend reserving. It's just a few bucks. Get it reserved, and then uh, social media accounts. Go and register for social media. Whatever makes sense for your niche. You know, maybe maybe all of them as you can think of. Maybe you know, like so, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Those are the big ones. Pinterest. If TikTok makes sense, get it. LinkedIn. If you're B two B. That would make sense. So yeah, whatever kind of makes sense, go out and, and grab them. Just reserve them. You don't need to. You, you don't have to set anything up at that point. Just reserve the names, and you're and you're ready to go. When uh, and then file with the USPTO. So number two on the needs list is the EIN employee identification number, and you can get one of these from the IRS website. You know, this would be like setting up your LLC, and this may seem like an intimidating step to some people. But if you type into YouTube, get LLC on IRS website, there's a bunch of videos that will walk you through it. It is literally from start to finish a 10-minute process. If this is intimidating to you, use a company like LegalZoom. I think they charge about 200 bucks. But this employee identification number is going to be kind of like the social security number for the business. It's the unique identifier. And as you register with Amazon or, or other sales channels, that's going to be a requirement is to have that EIN. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll, I'll share my experience with these. And so I use LegalZoom for one of my entities. And I think it was, and you know, I got all the bells and whistles uh, and I think it was like 400 bucks or 450. And I got all these like binders and little seals and all this other stuff, stuff you don't need. But yeah, the bare minimum, if this is an intimidating step for you, legal zoom, a couple hundred bucks, you get it done. Now on, on, on future businesses that I, that I opened, uh, David showed me the website to go and register and you know, it took 10 minutes. It literally took 10 minutes. So it's, it, this isn't, it's not complicated. I was able to do it. So you're going to be able to do it. So yeah, you can go either route, but it's, it's pretty easy. Number three on the list is a business bank account and a credit card. And Ken, I'm curious what your experiences have been here. Is this something you did right away? It is. You know, I did to an extent. I had some stuff on personal credit card, so I had to I had to unwind that after about six months. But pretty early on, I had a I I opened a business bank account and used everything there. I used my personal card for about six months and then I opened a business card and so had had all those integrated. But yeah, this is crucial. Something something as early as possible you should you should get so you don't mix your personal and your business finances. 
it just makes life easier. And while we're on this topic, I'm going to post in our show notes a link to Chase Inc. And this is, in terms of cash back for e-commerce companies, I haven't found a better card. And what I really like about them is they give 5% back on PPC spend, which that is over the lifetime of your business, especially if you're on Amazon, you're going to spend a tremendous amount of money on PPC. And man, 5% cash back, that's you're essentially getting a 5% discount on all your keywords, which could be the difference between, say, an A cost of 25% and an A cost of 20. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll, I'll second that. Make sure, so, you know, check the show notes, go click on the link, the Chase Inc. business card. And, and that process is pretty easy. One pro tip is to make sure you use your business, you know, your business name and business address on there and, and the, the approval will be a lot easier. But if you're selling on Amazon, you know, put that credit card into your advertising account. Like what, what account to charge your advertising to? It's a separate setting. Some people don't do it. And you know, I've, I've traveled for free the last couple of years by these credit card points. And so this is definitely something that should be looking into. So yeah, the, the link will be in the show notes for the Chase Business Inc. Number four would be a product or inventory, right? You need to sell something and, and, if you're in the digital product space, this would not, you know, you would still need a product, right? Your digital product. But this is something that, you know, out of the gate, you should reserve some funds for your first inventory purchase. And one thing that I write routinely do on first time orders is I will ask the supplier, I will see what their minimum order quantity is. And some suppliers will say, listen, if you want to buy this from us, you got to buy 5,000 units. And, you know, if you're rolling the dice and aren't really sure if that product's going to sell, you know, it's better to have 500 sitting in your basement than 5,000 if this doesn't work. And so any other thoughts on on this? Yeah, absolutely. So this is, I think, probably one of the most important pieces of this is if you're, if you have a physical product business, (laughs) you need physical products. And so this should be high on your list of if you're doing some kind of a planning document on how much money you'll need, this should be high on there. And the more inventory you can purchase, it's, it's going to help you scale quicker. But like David said, you have to, you know, there's, there's, this is kind of a more of a sweet science and you have to test it and, and, and definitely don't make any rash decisions in buying a ton of inventory. If, if you don't have a proven model that you can sell it, go for the smaller, but have enough to ramp up, have enough cash flow and reserves to ramp up if it does go well. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Number five on the needs list is a computer. And, you know, when I think of hard assets required to run one of these businesses, you got to have a computer. And, but really that's it. You know, going back to my example about a coffee shop, you know, needing an espresso machine and a cash register and your computer serves a lot of those functions and you can do really everything you need on your computer. Now, for those of you just getting into this, please know that you don't need to go out and buy a brand new computer. 
I think when I started, I was using a five-year-old MacBook Pro. When you started, what were you running? Yeah, I think I was using an old laptop that I just I had laying around. So it was not super powerful. I did wind up upgrading it today using a Lenovo IdeaPad. You know, just the other day, you and I had a discussion on like, you know, what you just said. A laptop is like kind of the core of your business, especially if you're agile and you're moving around, commuting. And so this is something I would... I would definitely consider getting a higher end business laptop, something powerful that can can function for a while with what you're doing because this is the core of your business and and you don't want to be sitting looking at a screen with the a, a circle that's spinning all day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a carpenter has a hammer and we have our computers and that's what that's what we go to market with. And so anyway, I I would say I do like having a nice computer. I'm on it you know, eight to 10 hours every day. And so I like having a nice computer. However, if you don't have a computer and you're just getting into this and, and funds are tight and you had the option of of buying a $2,000 computer or a $200, uh, like a Chromebook, and then taking the remaining 1800 and spending it on inventory, I think you'd be money ahead doing that. If I look at what I use on my computer, I use Microsoft Word, Excel, and the internet. I mean, it's there's some other programs that I use, but that's the core of what I'm using this for. And so anyway, yeah, that's, you know, that, that is a need that that is a need for your business. Number six. Now, before I tell you what it is, I want you to know, I debated heavily whether this belongs in needs or wants, and I purposefully have put it in needs and that is dedicated cloud storage. You know, Ken, what, what you're the network engineer. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, no, I agree with you. It is, it's a need. And the reason that I think it's a need is because it's super cheap. You know, like with Google Drive, I, that's the service that, that I use. And I believe when you sign up for a Gmail account, you get like, can't remember, I think it's uh, maybe a hundred gigs for free. And then you can get, I think it's a, a terabyte for 99 cents. I could be misspeaking, but it's cheap. You get free. You sign up for a Gmail account and you get free cloud storage on Google Drive. And then it's 99 cents upgrade for more storage. And so the reason I say this is a need is if I, I store all of my crucial files, like anything that runs my business, I store on the Google Drive. And so if if my laptop, if if I was at the coffee shop and I dropped my laptop and it broke, I could go get a new one, log into Google Drive, all my documents are there. Now, if you know, same thing, if your house burns down, whatever, having your business documents on the cloud is crucial. Number seven is internet access. And this one's pretty self-explanatory, but you spend, you know, if you're an online business, you need access to the internet. I'm not sure if there's really a whole lot more to say on this topic. Number eight would be a dedicated space for your work. And this is something, you know, whether it's a spare bedroom, whether it's a corner in your basement, it is good to have a spot where you can work on this business consistently. What are, what are your thoughts here, Ken? Yeah, absolutely. And back to that internet access, just just because I'm a network engineer mm-hmm. and uh, I'm a massive uh, Elon Musk fan, Starlink. If you're, let's say you're in rural Montana or you're you're somewhere where you cannot get a quick internet access, you know, you, you don't have access to it. Starlink is opening up in certain areas. I think it's 99 bucks and you can get like 130 meg. And if for anybody that doesn't know what Starlink is, it's Elon Musk's, I think it's a division of SpaceX and they launched, I think they're launching a total of 10,000 satellites. They have, I think, I believe they have a thousand in the air now and it's creating um 
basically a, a web, a satellite constellation that'll cover the entire Earth with broadband internet. And, and then, so you can, I th- it's 99 bucks for a really fast connection. So that's wild. Yeah. That, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, in like I live in kind of a rural area and we ended up having to pay like $3,000 to have a line run directly to our house. And, you know, the alternative was these satellite companies where, and you, do, you get so much data per month and you watch one Netflix show and, and you've cashed in <laughs> on all of your data for the month. And, and so, yeah, that's a that's a good move for people that are living in a rural area. Yeah, absolutely. Now back to the original one, the dedicated space for your work. I, I like this, and and on on a couple of different levels. One, it uh, it'll make you more productive, right? And so if you don't have a dedicated space, now this is something like you you can do without. But it's something that would help you be way more productive. And the other reason is. I like to have a separation of like my work area and then my relax area. And so if you have it all in one space, then you you can't, and it's tough to switch your body and say, Hey, I'm going into relax mode. If you're sitting at your work desk, you know, so if possible, try to have a dedicated space, even if like, if you live in an efficiency apartment or something, maybe just like one corner of it. And then that that's kind of your workspace. And the rest of it is your area to kind of relax and have your own personal time. But yeah, no matter where you are, I think a dedicated space for work is important. What's the next one, Ken? Yeah. So the next one is a mentor and there's a couple of different things that go with this, but Having a mentor, David and I always say, if you want to get somewhere, find someone that's been there and ask them how they got there, right? So if you want to start a physical products business selling on Amazon and e-commerce, you need to find someone that's done that and go ask them how they did it. And so I do not recommend uh, paying for a mentor if you're just starting out. But something that I've learned along the way and from David is you can find someone that's in your space, that's somewhere where you want to get, and they, they know the knowledge that you want to know. You can just go to them and, and, and ask them if you can trade your time, if you can work for them for free, if they'll mentor you. And usually you can find people that will, you know, they'll say, okay, yeah, if you want to do this for 10 hours a week, then I'll spend, you know, a couple hours a week coaching you or, or whatever, work out some kind of an agreement. You can get a free mentor that way. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that mentorship is one of those things that people often don't think about. But, you know, if someone came to me and said, you know, I'll shovel your driveway, I will do anything to talk with you for an hour a week. Most likely I'm going to give that person a shot. Right. And, you know, if you look at your body of skills, you've got something to offer up. Everybody's got something to offer up. And so, you know, I came to the mentorship game a little late. I think I tried to learn everything on my own through YouTube and podcasts. That that works, but boy, it's a good way to skip to the head of the line is uh, is just to get a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, like as we're talking about knowledge, and you know, there's two other things that come to mind: books. Like books has been a they've played a, a massive role in David and you and I of learning what we have. And, and, and helping us progress and books are cheap, you know, like I have an audible subscription. It's like 10 bucks a month or something. And you know, that's super cheap. You can buy books on Amazon. They're super cheap. Go, go, go to the library, free books, right? This kind of brings me to the next point of uh, course. So we talk about it all the time. You know, if you want to, if you want to get somewhere, find someone, someone that's been there and ask them how they did it. Same thing with the course, you know, there's a lot of 
great courses out there and there's a lot of, you know, horrible courses out there that they're predatory and they're going to take your money and, and not really teach you a lot. So, you know, I've seen courses 5,000, 10,000, they prompt you, you know, hand holding everything else. I, I would never spend more than a thousand dollars on a beginner level course. And before I, I've bought, you know, I've probably bought six or eight courses in the last five years. And before I buy any course, I, unless it's, if it's under a hundred dollars, I'll buy a course without doing a lot of research on it. But if it's an expensive course, I'm going to, I'm going to follow that person for a while and research and watch their YouTube channel and, and see how they're interacting and, and see if they know what they're talking about before I pull the trigger on that. But I definitely think a course is, is a way, the way to go. You can, you can pay for knowledge that someone else has and you can get it quick and you can do it on your own pace. Absolutely. I, I would second that. I would second that for sure. Sorry to interrupt the episode. You may have heard Ken and I talking recently about a new tool that we're using for Amazon refunds. Now, I have used other refund tools like this. However, I can tell you in the first seven days, they scrubbed the back end of my Amazon account going back 18 months and found $5,000 of refunds. And the nice thing about this is it's my money. Amazon made a mistake and they are just auditing my account. The other thing I really like about this tool is there is no monthly fee. They only charge a commission if they are successful in getting you your money. Go to getida.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM for firing the man, FTM400. This is an awesome tool. Can't say enough good things about it. Now, back to the episode. All right. Part two of the episode wants, and we're going to go deep here on a couple <laughs> very specific items. You know, are these something that you need to start a business? No, but they're going to make your life more enjoyable. And there are things that, that Ken and I have acquired over the last couple years, and we really like them. So number one, a comfortable office chair. I'm sure some of you have heard uh, sitting is the new smoking. And, you know, I think there's something to that. You know, we were not made to sit for eight to 10 hours, you know, in a row. And, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not sponsored by them. Boy, would I love to be sponsored by them. But uh, Herman Miller, this is, in my opinion, it's the Mercedes-Benz. Uh, office chairs. It's ergonomic. It breathes. It's just, it's a wonderful chair. And to be totally honest with you, I think I paid around a thousand bucks for it. And some people may say a thousand bucks for a chair, that's really expensive. And you're right. But I'll tell you what, cost per minute of being, I mean, I spend, I spend most of my waking hours in that chair. And so it, it is just nice to have it. Ken, what are you running for an office chair? Yeah, I, I have a Herman Miller and and I, I definitely agree with you, David. It is it's worth it. You know, same thing with your bed. Are you gonna, you know, have a of a junky bed to sleep in? You spend a third of your life in the bed. The same thing with a chair. If you if you're running a business, you're spending a good amount of time in a chair. And, you know, I, I think it's just like putting food in your body. Is it gonna give you enough energy to last throughout the day? Same thing with a chair. If you have a shitty chair and it and it and it hurts your back or your butt and you're moving around and you're not comfortable, you're not going to be as efficient and work as hard. And so, like you said, you know, cost per minute of that, it's 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 a really, really good investment if you have the money. But it's definitely a want. Absolutely. You know, and there's a couple items on this list as we go through that are comfortable items, right? That they make your life more comfortable. And, you know, I think I could make a business case for why you should have a Herman Miller. You know, we all have, actually, this happened to me last night. 
I was in my office at about 7.30. I was getting kind of squeamish, and but there was a couple things I wanted to finish up. And so I said, all right, I'm just going to power through the next half hour. And typically that's how a business day will end is, you know, you get you can't sit still any longer or your back starts to hurt or, or whatever. And so I think the more comfortable you can be in your office, the more time you're going to spend there. And as a result, the more work you're going to get done. And so, you know, I've had a lot of evenings where I've pushed that extra half hour and that's been a positive ROI activity. And I think one of the reasons that I've been able to push that extra half hour is because I, ha- I was sitting in a comfortable chair. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you could probably make a, a, a really good business case for that. Same thing with the, ne- the next one on, on the list. Number two, dual monitors. I've been running dual monitors for, I think, two years now. And I used to just have... Um, so this is my setup. I have, I have a PC, I have a laptop, and then I have dual monitors. And so the PC and is connected to one monitor and then the laptop is is connected to the second monitor with an extended display desktop and so that's kind of, that's kind of my setup and for me it's easy to to switch back and forth and, and get more done i can use uh, now i do a 32 inch monitors and so i can you know if i'm doing graphics or on canva or whatever or f- you know, watching a video or something, I can do it on the, on the large screen and, and have more, more space. But for me, like I get more accomplished versus having, well, staring at like a 14 inch laptop screen versus having, you know, two, two massive 32 inch dual monitors. What do you think, David? You know, it's funny. You, do you remember that show Pimp My Ride? Yeah. So they would be like, all right, this Cadillac's rolling on 24s. And <laughs> and so to kind of take that same lingo, I'm running dual 27s uh, in my office. Nice. And that's a it's a good fit. It's a good fit. And I'll tell you one thing that I've looked at, and I think probably sometime in the next couple of years is that I'll invest in is those wraparound gaming monitors. There's something about that that just looks cool. And I don't know. What do you what do you think? Yeah, so I'm not sure what you mean, wrapper. So I have curved 32s. Is that what you mean? Yeah, curved ones. You've got curved yeah, ones. Yeah, so the ones. That, so so I'm running curved 32s, David. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they are, yeah, very cool, for sure, for sure. And, and you know, I mean, you might think that they're super expensive, but I I believe I paid like 275 bucks. They're Acer 32 inch monitors, and they're curved. So kind of continuing with this desk theme is take some time and set up your desk to be ergonomically correct. And I'm going to post a link in the show notes, but the Wall Street Journal did an excellent video on how to set up your desk so your spine is straight, so you don't get a sore neck. And this really isn't an investment in anything. And it has very practical advice. For instance, you know, when you reach your hands out, you should be able to touch your screen. Here's where your mouse should go. Here's where your keyboard should go. Your knees should be at a right angle. And, you know, typically desks are one size fits all. Uh, I'm a taller guy and uh, I ended up, you know, raising my desk by about two inches. And, you know, early on, I just found uh, a couple books and wedged them under there. But, you know, going along with this comfort thing, I think if you if you get your desk to fit you and you you set things up ergonomically, you're just going to be you're going to feel better, going to get more work done. You're going to spend more time working. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think this is something that's on this list right here that it, it doesn't cost any money. And if you can set up your your space to where it's more ergonomic and you can get more hours out of your day and it's free, 
like that yeah you know why not and so th this link will be the youtube link for this wall street journal video will be, it'll be in the show notes so take a peek at that and and uh, pick up some you know some free tips on on making your your work day better for you Number four on the wants is overflow storage for inventory. And it seems like, you know, everybody runs into this at some point. You know, they'll either have a huge order from China that they can't send all of it in Amazon warehouses or whatever. But Ken, you've seen my basement. It looks like a warehouse. I've seen your garage at times. It's looked <laughs> like a warehouse. And and you need some space for, for those types of instant add-ons. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. And And I would have never thought this, like when I first started this business, you know, four years ago. And it's like, but yeah, over time, and, and, you know, last year with COVID, I had to get my, uh, you know, when I first started, I started doing um, retail arbitrage. And, and so I had a lot of this, this packing materials and tape guns and I put them up for a while and then COVID hit last year and I got them all back out and started doing FBM. And so, yeah, th this will, this will come in handy over time. You never know when you need it. And this stuff, it's not that expensive to get, to get this stuff going, uh, the supplies you need. And, and most everyone, you know, will have some storage you know, in your basement, your garage, you know, whatever, unless you're, you know, unless you're running more than $5 million and have your own warehouse, like this is almost something that you have to have. Number five is a virtual assistant. And this is something that I think I wish personally I would have done earlier. I wish I would have hired a VA earlier. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, a virtual assistant is, is basically an assistant that you're not sitting under the same roof. And so if you look at your tasks that you do throughout a day, you know, typically there's very hard critical thinking tasks, and then there's like some fairly easy but repetitive tasks. And those easy repetitive tasks are the ones that I like to sub out to a VA. And there's a lot of good websites out there that you can hire somebody, you know, onlinejobs.ph. You can hire people from the Philippines. You can, you know, Fiverr, Upwork. There's a lot of people that, that you can hire from those websites. And, and what I'll say is, you don't have to hire them full time or even half time. You know, they can be one off projects. So, for instance, like if you're not good at Photoshop, you can hire somebody to do Photoshop for you. And so, if there's a task that you don't know how to do, and you're, you know, I did this with Photoshop, I took a class on Photoshop, I bought the program, and, you know, come to find out, I could have hired someone on Fiverr for like $5 a photo and it, it, the end product would have been way better. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I would say it doesn't need to be a full-time VA, but, you know, look at the tasks. If you divide tasks into two groups, ones that are heavy and you hate doing, and ones that are light, meaning that they're easy to do, right? You don't mind doing them. Take those heavy tasks and sub them out to somebody. And I think everybody should do that earlier on than they generally do. Yeah. So my um, follow-up to that, I, I would agree with that. And, and a couple of tips, I wish I would have hired earlier than I did. And like you mentioned, you can, I would definitely recommend testing, you know, going to Fiverr, going to Upwork and test out, you know, do a couple of, uh, put a couple of tasks or projects that you need done that you're not super good at, put them on there and pay. And then, you know, you can, you can, go through that experience and, and see what it's worth and see what it's like. But yeah, onlinejob.ph, there's a lot of agencies that offer virtual assistance and you can get them part-time, you know, test, experiment with them. I mean, at the end of the day, like everybody, you know, if you're working a full-time job, if you have a corporate job, you have, you know, 40 hours, 50 hours you're working there and then you got your family time. Like what is your time worth, right? So if you're making, you know, 
25 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour, 100 bucks an hour, whatever it is, that's what your time is worth, right? For me, like editing a video, like it would probably take me eight hours to edit a video, right? And if my time was worth $25 an hour, well, that's a couple hundred bucks. That's 200 bucks. If I can find somebody on Fiverr to edit that for 30 bucks, well, then that just buys me an hour of time for 30 bucks, right? So you got to think about it that on, on that level too, especially if you have a full-time corporate job and, you, and you're making money and and that's kind of what it's worth. So give that a thought and, and, and definitely test out virtual assistant earlier on if you can, if you're, if you're able to. Product research tools such as Jungle Scout or Helium 10, there's a bunch of them out there. And these are two that I've used and in, in, in familiar with. You know, the tools are, they help with product research, but, you know, you take Helium 10, for instance, you can, they have a tool called Profits. They've got a, a suite of tools that generally just make life easier. And, and so is this something that you need right out of the gate? No, but I'll tell you what, most of these have 30-day free trials and use them use them. Get yourself five Gmail addresses. And and there you go. You got five months of free trials. And so, you know, I, I personally, right now I'm using Helium 10. And I think that's it in terms of tools like this. And, and the reason, you know, I have noticed that these can be a cash flow suck on a business and, uh, you know, that recurring monthly charges. And so, you know, I have found that there are times where I'm using it a lot. And then there are some months where I may not even log in. And, and so, but this, you know, I think I would still categorize this as, as a want and, and not a need. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of that, you can use a 30 day free trial. Like these are tools that you, that you need to have to, to be able to competitively sell and pick products on Amazon, but the free trial will, will do exactly what you need. I've used, yeah, the same ones, Jungle Scout, Helium 10, Viral Launch. I've used them all. They all have about the same tools. They all compete. They all pulling the same data. They just do it in a little bit of a different way. If you want a discount, we have discounts on our resources page. Go to the website, uh, firingtheman.com. Go to the resources page. We have links to all of these with uh, whatever whatever discounts, you know, whatever discounts we're able to get. You know, definitely try the free trials and, and, and see what they're like. But yeah, this definitely, as you alluded to, David, this will be a constant uh, challenge as you get deeper into your e-commerce journey is, is softwares. There's a, there's a, there's a new fancy software every time you turn a corner and, and they add up quick. So moving on, David, what's the next one? DSLR camera and LED light box. And this is something, so I do not have a DSLR camera, but I do have an LED light box and I use these for product photography. This is something, you know, the setup that I'm running is, I think it was like a $99 Amazon basics. I'll actually put a link to it in the show notes, but it's an LED light box. And so I have a lot of different SKUs. And so I do my own photography. Now I do not have a DSLR camera. And, but what I use is I have an iPhone. I think I have an iPhone 10, but if you download the Amazon seller app, they have a product photo studio and it takes amazing pictures and it gives you that all white background and you can mess around with the contrast and the brightness and stuff. And so I've been using that and that's been working great. You know, a DSLR camera, you know, I would imagine probably does a little better job. I'm not a camera guy, so I, I don't know. I do know a couple sellers that do their own product photography and that's what they're running. So any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, so I, I am not good with cameras at all. So I do not have either of these, but I would definitely consider them a want uh, in terms of you could 
hire out your own pictures but but definitely something later on if if you're good at this and this is what you like to do then it's worth worth investing in if you're in it for the long term all right what's the next one a number eight whiteboard or vision board i have two of these up in my office and these are uh, really important for me i that's a super cheap you know, I think I paid maybe 15, 20 bucks a piece on them. And I use them a lot, like to get my thoughts out and, and put it on whenever I write something down, there's, it does two things. One, I'm able to get it out of my head and I can free up space for something else. And two, it, it's, I, I usually will take action on something that I write down. If it's thoughts floating around in my head, then it's like, I can hide it. But if I write it on something and I can't, I can't hide it anymore, it's right there in my front of my face. So absolutely. You know, I, I have a uh, whiteboard in my office and there's something, you know, if I write something on a post-it, I can lose the post-it or, you know, it can get tucked away. Or if I put something in a notebook, I can close the notebook. But when it's on my whiteboard, I am forced to look at it every day. And, you know, I just think long-term, it, it's a good play. It's good to put your goals up there. And so I think overall, it's helped me stay more organized. And, you know, I'll put stuff up there that I'm referencing pretty frequently. So the next one, number nine, dedicated notebook. That's that's super cheap. Go to any office supply store, It's but it's, but it's something to keep your thoughts on in one spot. Absolutely. And I'm going to nerd out a little bit on this one. There is a, and I'll put, again, I'll post a link in the show notes, but there is, it's called an A6 notebook. And it's, it is small leather notebook that has bindings in it. So you can take pages in and out. Hmm. And so I really like that because when I fill up a notebook, I can't do anything with it, right? It's just full. But there are like, I have in my notebook, I have, I've been using the same notebook for like four years and I have like a couple pages with tabs on them that say, uh, you know, ideas. And I don't want those to get lost in an old notebook. So, you know, every three or four months, I'll fill that sucker up and then I'll go back through and any like scratch paper or, you know, miscellaneous things I wrote in it, I'll take those out and replace them with blank sheets. And I really like that. If you're going to have a notebook, have one with binder clips in it. That way you can add and remove pages is my opinion. That is a next level binder tip. I've never heard that, but... Yeah, leave it to the nerdy CPA <laughs> to have a favorite notebook. <laughs> All right, then moving on. The next one I've got is a leg lamp or something that will make your space more comfy and, and make you want to be there and, and you know just enjoy your environment, whether it's a leg lamp like what I have or whatever else makes you comfortable and enjoy your space. I think it's important to, to like your, your, uh, workspace and, and to feel comfortable there. So, you know, maybe it's a, you know, a bamboo shelf or, or, you know, a salt lamp or a small water fountain, whatever, whatever makes you comfy and enjoy your space. I think that's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm running dual Himalayan salt rock lamps right now <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the good vibes and energy that that brings into my office is, I mean, just there's positive ions anywhere. If you walk in, you're going to get hit in the face with positive ions. <laughs> so this wraps up the episode. Needs and wants for your e-commerce business. Whether you're just getting started or you have an established business, I hope that you took away some pro tips. And we mentioned quite a few products. And so I will post links to all of those in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to today's Firing the Man podcast. If you like this episode, head on over to firingtheman.com and check out our resource library for exclusive Firing the Man discounts on popular e-commerce subscription services. That is firingtheman.com backslash resource. You can also find a comprehensive library of over 50 books that Ken and I have read in the last few years that have made a meaningful impact on our business. For that, head on over to www.firingtheman.com slash library. Lastly, check us out on social media at Firing the Man and on YouTube at Firing the Man for exclusive content. This is David Schomer and Ken Wilson. We're out. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A.com and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?